Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, should we be bothering teaching art at school when there's so much else to learn? Coding and technology, web design, STEM subjects, languages, they're all more useful, leading to better and higher earning jobs. Or certainly changes in the school curriculum are heading in that digital direction. But high school art teachers are fighting back. It highlights some inequities that these changes might make. I think it will really impact on at-risk learners, students from low-income families. None of the art teachers I've spoken to can make head, head and tail of it. It's, it's, it's almost as if they just didn't bother talking to the people who specialise in teaching the subject. And yes, we realise there's a degree of self-preservation here but they have good reasons to be disappointed at a proposal to amalgamate separate disciplines into a single subject. The visual arts is the only subject where three subjects are being bundled together. And it's similar to saying, well, let's combine chemistry, biology and physics into one course and expecting the same depth of learning to happen when you do that. But is there more value in a broad brush introduction than in specialising too early. Nobody likes a buffet and nobody likes a medley. You end up skating around on the surface of the water like one of those uh, skating water spider things. Some see this as symptomatic of a wider malaise towards traditional art forms, which has been going on for some time. The focus on arts and the creative areas seems to be diminishing in our schools and that's a huge concern. And there are suspicions education administrators see these disciplines as a nice-to-have, a way of rounding and polishing the doctors and lawyers and professionals of tomorrow and missing the wider benefits an art education can bring. An artist doesn't look at a blank piece of paper and have a crisis as they see a potential. Learning how to generate a constant flow of ideas and make the ones that have potential work and into, into something substantial. And of course, these are, these are things that I think personally are incredibly valuable resources for anyone to have, particularly if you are putting a focus on job-ready skills. That's arts commentator and journalist Andrew Paul Wood. More from him in a minute. But first I'm speaking to Esther Hansen, an art teacher at a high school in South Auckland. Hansen's organised a petition urging the government to reconsider these changes I asked her to explain exactly what is being proposed. The proposed changes for Level 2 and 3 for visual arts is that they're going to unbundle the five visual arts subjects, which are painting, printmaking, sculpture, photography and design, to collapse art down to three subjects. Photography uh, and film, design, and a subject called visual arts, which will be a combination of painting, printmaking and sculpture. Students can still do each of those separate areas, but they can only get credits in one now. What is the justification behind that idea? There's been some talk about printmaking and sculpture being smaller cohorts of students. There was a technical report put out by the ministry that uh, talks about all of the changes they're proposing and their their reasoning and their um, evaluation of those changes. But the reasons for the changes aren't really obvious to me. It could be related to cost-cutting, and it could be related to an idea that those hands-on practical arts are perhaps not as useful as some of the digital art forms 
you know, like photography and design being privileged above the hands-on painting, printmaking and sculpture. So those students who are doing both painting and printmaking at our school would have to choose one or the other. If they wanted to take another subject in the visual arts, they would have to take photography or design. So for kids who don't have access to technology, that would limit their options. Hmm. And sometimes taking two visual arts is students' pathways to university because they're both university entrance subjects. So that might limit students being able to get into university entrance courses. That would be for a pretty small number of students, though, wouldn't it? Uh, It is. Well, um, from the technical report, the ministry noted that it was going to affect 1,440 kids. So that's a whole school of kids across the country. And that that was only based on one year of data. We have students um, who do uh, level three uh, subjects over two years. So they weren't considered in that data. So there's a a greater number of students being affected by that change than has been recognised. I know for a fact schools in Christchurch and in Auckland where students are encouraged to take at year 12 painting and then at year 13 they take printmaking at level three, both. So they would essentially lose a whole course of credits that um, they would normally have in their programme because they'd have to choose one or the other. It's similar to saying, well, let's combine chemistry, biology and physics into one course and expecting the same depth of learning to happen when you do that. So let's say you're a Year 13 student, you're really good at making art with your hands, you're not so good at the other stuff... You want to head to university and study fine arts. At the moment, you could study sculpture, printmaking and painting at seventh form. Those would be three of your five subjects and earn credits towards university entrance from all three. Under these proposed changes, you could still study all three if you wanted to, but you'd only earn credits for one subject. The changes that are proposed for my students in my class, it would affect five or six students this year because five or six students take both painting and printmaking. Four of those students are Tongan, uh, two are Māori, and I would say two are in the, in the gifted and talented group. For them, I think it, it sort of it highlights some inequities that these changes might make. I think it will really impact on at-risk learners, uh, students you know, that we're kind of worried about having pathways and keeping pathways open for students, students from low-income families, um, who might not have access to technology. So definitely, like I saw last year, when I was dropping off art kits to kids at home during lockdown, I dropped off kits to kids living in mansions, but I also dropped off kids to kids living in very poor conditions, sometimes with a large number of people living in a small small, you know, three-bedroom house. There might be five or six kids plus adults living in those houses, and they might have one device between four kids. They're not privileged to be able to work on photography or work on Photoshop for design during lockdown because they just didn't have the the access to the internet and the time on the device. And painting and printmaking allows those students to keep working on stuff. Not every kid has access to the internet 24 hours a day or to a device or to a camera. So the reducing of those practical art subjects will really limit opportunity for some of our at-risk learners. Andrew Paul Wood wrote a piece about these proposed changes for the Big Idea website. I asked him to explain some of the differences between the different disciplines. Painting covers a, a, has, has a lot, you know, a couple of thousand years of history behind it. It's it's a two-dimensional medium. It's about taking skills from things like drawing and manipulating 
areas of colour on a flat surface in order to either create a, a complex pattern or to create the illusion of of reality beyond it, as though you're looking through a window. I mean, there are multiple different ways of doing painting. Mm. But it's a completely different kettle of fish when you're looking at sculpture, because that's a three-dimensional medium. You're concerned about how real light uh, and real shadows work together, uh, how the forms work in the, in the three dimensions. And there's so many different considerations with materials. I mean, what, what, what are you working in? Are you working in clay? Are you working in found materials, wood? What are you doing? Painting, by comparison, is a relatively easy thing to resource because you really just need paint and, and a flat surface. Mm. Sculpture, you need materials to work in, space to work in, lots of specialised tools. Photography, that's a... If you want to compare that with moving image, which was one of the proposals was to combine the two, photography, you're, just, you're taking a still image. So the practice and theory of composing an image in a still photograph is quite different to what you're doing when you're creating a moving image because moving image combines all sorts of things. You have to script what's happening, follow something moving through time. You have to be able to edit it to get the finished product. So that's, those are two completely different sets of skills. I mean, I don't see how you can easily combine those two. Most um, art teachers come through from art school with, a, with a, an understanding of all these things. But a lot of them have got their own specialist practices that they're drawing on. That's what makes them who they are and what, able to provide the resources that they do because they know this medium really well. And the, and they're able to communicate that. So, yes, theoretically, an art teacher can teach lots of different things, but can they teach them all well? Mm -hmm. Can they convey a passion for them? Do they understand all the technical side of it? Because if it's, say, someone who specialises in painting might not feel technically competent in sculpture. Someone who specialises in printmaking might not feel technically competent in painting. It creates a lot of unfair pressures on, on, on art teachers. None of the art teachers I've spoken to can make head, head and tail of it. It's, it's, it's almost as if they just didn't bother talking to the people who specialise in teaching the subject. Roger Boyce has not only taught the subject, he lectured in painting at the University of Canterbury for 16 years, but he's also an artist whose success appears to have had little relation to his school years. I wasn't a very good high school student, so I don't think I studied much, uh, and I didn't care for my art teacher. And I was uh, sort of introduced to the arts by a craft teacher who used to smuggle me and a friend off campus in the trunk of her car. Do you think that it was useful to you, even if in, in teaching you what not to do and how not to think? I think I got my sort of creative uh, license from my crafts teacher, oddly enough. And... Um, uh, I was always drawing. I've been drawing since... I can't remember when I didn't draw. And the reason I'd keep drawing is because people would sort of look over my shoulder and admiringly, and girls would sort of uh, think it was swell. Huh. And so I kept drawing because of that. I kept drawing for the reason that Freud says people uh, pursue a talent, which is to get paid or laid. <laughs> Honestly, that's what Freud says. Some people might argue a broad approach to learning about art is actually the best way to go about it. Some educators argue specialising too early can 
paint students into a corner, pun very much intended, and that exposing someone to a wide variety of disciplines and styles can unlock the imagination and encourage thinking outside the box, which is what you want. But Boyce isn't a fan. He says honing artistic skills takes focus, and this new broad brush approach is an inferior way of nurturing talent. Basically, the whole move towards interdisciplinary uh, study as opposed to uh, separate areas of discipline, in in a sense, like painting, sculpture, filmmaking, photography, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. it's ideologically driven, and it's also driven from a sort of a conceptual footing as opposed to any sort of real curricular outcome footing. And and as they roll it out, people that are on the coalface of teaching art are rarely ever consulted either before it's rolled out or to see how uh, well it played out when it was rolled out. So nobody likes a buffet and nobody likes a medley. And to, and to really sink deeply into a particular discipline prepares you to, to, to pursue other disciplines. So in, on the other hand, if you're doing a, a smattering of things, a buffet or a medley, you end up skating around on the surface of the water like one of those uh, skating water spider things. You don't really ferment in it. And so you don't, you don't even really understand in the end what it is to, 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 to make art or what it is to be a creative or what it is to, to take advantage of that, of that broad, uh, ever-stretching span of contemplative time. It breaks you up into these small increments. Andrew Paul Wood interviewed Roger Boyce for his piece on the Big Idea website, and Boyce made a somewhat cutting observation that education administrators see art teaching as less a way of preparing nascent artists for their vocation and more as a sort of Victorian-era enrichment exercise for the STEM-excelling children of aspiring farm-service-town burgers. Which is a bit of a mouthful. So I asked him what he actually meant by that. In the Victorian era, there was two things that... I mean, there was more than two things, but there was two major ideas that people had about the arts that have that have travelled through time, and, and it just won't go away. Is is The one is that the masses weren't uh, benighted because of their um, low wages, poor housing, bad health, and and, and imbibing of, of lots of gin because, because of their miserable lifestyles. It was just a lack of culture. And that if you built these temples of culture and brought them in there, that, that, that all of a sudden you'd lift them up, elevated. The notion of art as being elevating and, and ennobling arrives from that. On the other hand, if you're landed gentry or the son of a, of a pr- prosperous merchant or a prosperous uh, manufacturer, then the whole point of culture in that case was to sort of soften your rough edges and make you think in less uh, mercantile ways and to prepare you for society. And, and, and in a sense, to polish you as an individual. And, and, and that's what I meant. But I sort of abbreviated it to speak about the sort of sons and daughters of farm service towns being prepared for society. So what, seeing art as a way of rounding off the character and the personality of somebody who is in the end going to go into you know, engineering or, exactly. or be a doctor or something along those lines? Yep. Uh-huh. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that, but the fact is, uh, considering, uh, at least my position is, that art is the flowering of all of our endeavors, that without art, we're pretty much just uh, contributors to sewage outfalls um, into the ocean, that, that, and the way that we know ourselves historically, etc., um, is almost wholly reliant upon the art that each generation produces, 
as opposed to like let's say a historical or uh, theoretical notions of what happened before i think we get the truest pictures of who we are both in the present and from the past uh, by the visual record that we leave and and so if in fact you're not um, uh, either turning out uh, in a casual way without schooling or turning out in, in a school formal way uh, people that are making art of the highest caliber the culture has failed it's that old classic line, science and medicine and knowledge, these all allow us to live, but art and expression and culture, these are the reasons to live. But here's a question. Can you learn to be an artist? Yeah, absolutely, you can learn uh, to be an artist. I, 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 actually, sorry, you can learn the techniques of, um, of, of executing artworks, music, visual stuff, theater, all that kind of stuff. But I think in terms of, like, to be an artist, I think that you have to have some bad parenting most of the time. You have to have or some sort of traumatic event or something that, in a sense, makes you uh, decide to look at the world in less than conventional uh, ways. Do you think you need to study art in order to become an artist? Or at least do you think that studying art makes people better artists? Um, I know some people who have um, become artists and didn't study at all, and they've managed to flourish. And I know some people that have um, studied and also have flourished. And then I know people in both categories that have um, not flourished as artists. So I think it's I think it's an it's an individual um, decision and an individual pursuit. So I, I really can't give you a sort of a, a recipe. The brutal reality is some subjects fall by the wayside because. To be frank, not enough students study them. Level 3 Latin is facing the chopping block too because in 2018 just 26 students studied it at Level 3. Printmaking and sculpture have better numbers. About 300 students around the country take the subjects at Level 3. But they're also resource-intensive. Printmaking requires a printing press and materials. A proper sculpture class might require a kiln. And really, demand reflects the supply of actual artist jobs. There aren't many people who make a living as an actual sculptor or painter or printmaker. So what's the point in having these courses? What's the point in studying art? Here's Esther Hansen. I think education is more than just a pathway to a job, whatever subject students select, and that um, it's about growing young people that are filled with aspiration, with capabilities, with vision for themselves and for, for the world around them. Like, I, I, it's, I think to just say it's about a career pathway or a, voca- a, a job is, is sort of minimising what education can do for students. I think it should lead to a career pathway, but it should lead to a career pathway where the student is sort of lit up about what they're going to do and, and, and how they're going to, you know, impact the world around them. The focus of education has definitely shifted since we've had, you know, national standards come in in the primary schools. I think that there's been a real focus on what can be measured or evaluated, national standards with literacy and numeracy being a real focus in primary school and over recent times. The arts in general play a really important part in developing creativity, engagement with the world around them, so the students get to engage with their peers, their sense of who they are as themselves, um, but also their communities, and it develops a sense of imagination. So art is a skill set, but it's more than a skill set. 
you can learn to draw and you can be taught how to improve your drawing. You can develop your own style of drawing. Um, and But it's also about fostering a sense of exploration, being curious, experimenting, being a risk taker and, and play. And play can't be measured or evaluated. But what's happening when you play with materials or play with ideas is, is the sort of like rich pathways that you're developing in your brain that you can sort of extend to, to lots of other avenues of your life. I was talking to my students, you know, that I was going to be on, on your show. and uh, I said, so, so why do you think, you know, we should be studying art? And one of the things that one of the students brought up um, was she said, well, it helps with well-being, you know, to feel good about yourself, you know, to, to kind of know yourself and to, um, she said, stuff that I wouldn't talk about, I can put into my artworks and I, I, it's a sense of being able to express ideas and feelings that um, I can't necessarily articulate. Do you think that would change if this roll rolling together of these subjects would, would happen? No, I think that um, there's some amazing art teaching going on and, and that's going to continue. I think that there'll be a disadvantaging of some people who are already disadvantaged with these changes. So inequities will be reinforced rather than broken down. And I think that the privileging of digital pathways doesn't recognise student need for like being hands-on and being mm-hmm. practical. Our students' creativity and practical art subjects where they're using their hands to physically make relates to, um, you know, like our, our teenagers uh, have a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of... Um, uh, like they're in a sort of digital world of social media, when they get to make art by drawing and painting, they're disengaging from that sort of busyness and they're sort of being able to have a quiet moment and being present in the moment and making art is one of the best feelings that you can have. You know, like when you pull up the paper from the print or you put the last sort of coat of varnish on the painting and you sort of stand back and look at what you've made, there's a sense of wonder about the world and um, and then others sharing that with other students and, and with their peers and with their parents get them talking about the ideas that they've been expressing in those artworks. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform And if you want to get in touch, email us, thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Alexia Russell produced today's episode, Jeremy Veal engineered it, and thanks to Andrew Paul Wood, Esther Hansen, and Roger Boyce. Mā te wā.